Hello and welcome to the match report, hosted, of course, by Frey Midfield. Cahill and Kojo are here. Darren is busy doing Darren stuff. Um, <laughs> ah, boy, it's gonna it's, it's gonna be a wild episode today. I I, I might get mad. I might, I might have got got rid of all my demons yesterday, but a new a few a few more demons may have cropped up at the end of that bloody transfer window. That's what we're talking about today. The transfer window. How, how are you doing, Kojo? How was your transfer window? Was it was it good? <coughs> Oh, my transfer window was absolutely fantastic. We brought no one in and sold a lot of players. I loaned a lot of players out. So, um, oh, Woodward left, but then we hired this boy. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 over the moon. Apparently, his name is Richard Arnold. The only Arnold I acknowledge is Hey Arnold. So there you go. How you doing, Dash? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm as good as can be. It, it was a tad traumatic, but you know. As life goes on, you just got to move on in it and um, assess Thanks. what's going to be happening next. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Usman joins us again. How you doing, sir? Yeah, um, no, I'm not going to lie. It's been, it's been, it's been disappointing. Um, but you know, I found solace in others probably more than us. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll delve into that a bit later. Um, so yeah, I'm okay. But other things have definitely cheated me up. To be said. You know, we're probably the worst uh, group of, of panellists to discuss transfers, considering none of our teams actually bought anybody. But we're going to have to go We give an outside gonna... perspective, man. We give that outside perspective, innit? The way is, yeah, I actually asked three people beforehand of um, uh, clubs that have bought players, and they're all busy actually celebrating rather than doing podcasts. This is life, exactly, right? Exactly, man. It's uh, celebrating that money being spent. Uh, there you go. Uh, dreams being, being chased and stuff like that. But Dash... I yeah. mean, yes, love that. We're, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to Arsenal. By the way, Arsenal are always in my heart. Are they always in your heart, Dash? Because, because to be honest, I'm 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 kind of falling out of love with them. Do you know what the situation is? This is like I went into this transfer window, and I can't lie. Normally, January transfer window, I don't really care too much about it. But when you are invested in a particular player <laughs> and you're following it. From January 1st to the end of January, and it don't happen, it's a punch in the gut. I cannot lie. Um, but it's just a situation where it's just like, it's this is typical Arsenal, isn't it? Arsenal just doing Arsenal things. And um, I don't even know what more I can say about it because it's just been shocking. I mean, it's the, the play you're talking about is obviously Vlaovic that... Personally, I didn't think was going to come to Arsenal. At the, at, I think it was just we heard many things like even before that the the, the window opened that like he he's looking for a move to maybe Atletico Madrid, and then he ends up going to Juventus for seventy five million pounds uh, or euros, whichever it was. But do you think he was going to be the answer to to, to um, all the problems that Arsenal have? No, I don't. I don't. Well, I think his connection's come off a little bit, so we'll bring yeah, him back. So, Usman, now we'll come to you because you, uh, you're kind of uh, reveling in, in in this whole Arsenal fiasco. But Vlahovic, same question to you: Do you think he would he would ever go into come to Arsenal? And if he did, would he have solved the striker problem? I mean, look, he would have solved the striker problem without, um, you know, that goes without saying. But in his defence. He obviously was tracking Isaac's taxi in London, so he must have thought, you know, if Isaac's going to Arsenal, I'm not going to really get much minutes, so he thought, allow it. So, you know, at the end of the day, you've only got yourself to blame. 
Um, you know, look, for me personally, you weren't going to get either of them. But we know you ain't going to put the money down for Isaac. I mean, that would make too much sense, wouldn't it? Um, and Vlahovic, obviously, he's going to go Juventus. Just, I mean, he plays in Italy. Juventus are Italian giants. Why would he want to come to Arsenal, a team that is struggling, middle of the table, um, eighth back-to-back, one of the worst managers in the league. Um, according to us, 12th uh, best manager in the league. Um, and for me personally, Arsenal are finished. And why would you want to be a part of a team that's finished instead of a team like Juventus or kids have gone through a difficult period? But nevertheless, you know, they're going to come good again and he's going to be a huge part of that. So I don't think there was ever a moment in his mind that he thought Arsenal was a realistic, um, a realistic opportunity for him to, you know, go and play. No, I can't even say European football in conference league because you're not even in that. So, yeah, why, why would he even waste his time? Wow. You know what? Yeah, you know what there is, yeah. I've I've missed Usman being a guest on this show. You know, <laughs> I know. On his podcast, but it, when it comes to this one, he lets loose, man. Exactly. Um, now, you're on on a, on a serious thing. Apparently, Vlahovic had made his decision to drain Arsenal towards like the end of December, beginning of January. So you had time. If he turns down Atletico Madrid, then there's no chance of Arsenal getting him. So then it becomes a point of all right, cool. Go for someone else now. Isaac, you obviously have to pay a lot more because it's middle of the season. The guy, to be fair, he hasn't really performed so far this season, but he's still a young boy. But you know, you got to think about maybe would he would he be enticed by a move to the Premier League? Would he be enticed being told that he'll be the main striker at Arsenal? And then uh, he was off when you're linked with Dominic Calvert Lewin. I mean, quite frankly, I thought I said not to go for him, so I think it's, it's good that he didn't go for him. But then again, all you've got right now, like I said, whose contract's expiring in six months. And and Eketia, his contract is expiring in six months. And if both of them don't sign, you have zero strikers. That's poor. Um, and Arteta has a lot to answer for. So look, I just think it's it's very poor on Arsenal's side that if Vlahovic did indeed communicate to Arsenal very early that he had no intention whatsoever of joining them, that they had no intention whatsoever of going to the market and trying to get another striker. That's poor. That's very, very poor. And you know. A part of Aubameyang leaving. Obviously, the way his relationship broke down with the club was terrible. Obviously, he did some things that he should have been punished for, and he, he was rightfully so punished for. But then Arteta had to make a choice because if you're not getting him Vlahovic, you got to make a decision right there and say, do I integrate this guy back in and keep him for the last six months of his contract? Or do I just cut it clean early and give myself enough time to buy a striker? And what he did was held on to this guy for well, God knows how long, and then eventually just, you know, cut him off. Uh, you've sold him to Barcelona for no money. Um, apparently, you're oh, still... No, 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 we, We've saved 25 million. Oh, sorry, sorry. You saved 25 million, like it's a DFS sale. And, um, yeah, I think uh, also from what I've heard from the Barcelona side, I don't know much from the Arsenal side, if it's true or not, that you're still paying a part of his wages. I imagine we would be. Yeah, because he was on quite a lot. Obviously, Barcelona can't register players on highway. I heard he took a pay cut. I imagine he took a pay cut, but I imagine we're also playing, paying uh, not a significant amount, but some of of what he's uh, they, they've offered him. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that just sums up Arsenal in a in a nutshell. I want to hear what Dash has to say since he's back now. My, my apologies. I had to vacate the room that I was in mm-hmm. and uh, jump downstairs because the net is moving bookie. But yeah, I just yeah. caught the last end of that. Um, the Aubameyang situation is like or, or what you just said is actually taking a pay cut. So, um, 
we've just literally washed our hands on him. And I think it's just more in a sense, it's just like rather getting into an Ozil situation, um, just not be able to bother with all of that because he's got 18 months left. Go into the summer on 350, trying to shift him on his last year. He'll probably just be like, you know what? I don't want to go nowhere. Let me just stay here, collect my wage for the for the next year and then leave on a free anyway. So if we're if we're trying to progress and obviously trying to build, it's just more foolishness from from the from the Arsenal hierarchy because it's like you put the guy on three fifty, no one told you to do that, you know. You look at the age, we look at obviously the period of time that he's coming into his career, and you're giving him three fifty, and psh, this is this is what um, Arsenal are dealing with right now, and then ultimately it's led to the point where he's gone on a free, not even a, like a little bit of change, so that you can add to the coffers. But absolutely free, and um, I don't know. Like I, I was saying to Kojo, we we saved twenty five million. Don't don't <laughs> save twenty five million. We have saved. We no look. We have saved money. I think the bigger picture, um, in terms of trying to clear up the mess, I think the bigger picture will be when we get into the summer, we're going to be able to have more of a freedom to work with the type of players that we want to bring in, the type of wages we want to put them on. But it's still it's still an L. It's still embarrassing, you know. <laughs> Are we not embarrassed by now? You know, <laughs> but I'm just looking at the ongoing picture. For me, ideally, I've been saying it for the longest while. I want all the Venga guys out. The Venga bus needs to clearly be gone. Like I want all those Venga players gone. Your Obama Yangs, your Lacazettes, Chambers is gone. Your whole all them them guys. I want them gone. Let's start afresh. Let's get some players that are. If ultimately the way Arteta is playing and wants to play in the type of mindset that he wants around him, get those players in, and then let's just start building up, you know? Because when we think about this season, nobody fought. Nobody gave us a chance to be even in contention for this top four. Yeah, I'm saying? So it is disappointing because we're there now and we're thinking we can kick on, but it's just not our time yet, man. Let's just be real. It's just not our time yet. You can say it's not our time yet, and I, I understand that to a degree, but like you said, this was the perfect opportunity. Like, a lot of teams aren't exactly in the best uh, shape. Um, Manchester United are pretty much a shambles, but they still have a, 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 a good team. Tottenham, I don't think they have a good team. They, they also they uh, introduced a few, few new players, which add a, a lot of quality to that team now. So they, they're looking sharper. West Ham didn't add anybody, and they were kind of teetering off the edge. So I think it was a perfect opportunity for us to show our intent and uh, go forward and, and try and prove to the Arsenal fans, to the Premier League, that we are trying to cement that top four place. And it's a mm. perfect opportunity we, we have here. We got 17 games remaining, I think it is. No Cups, no no Europe. So this was the perfect opportunity to get to that, that top four spot. But I think we've thrown it away, man. Yeah, you, say, you say that, but I think, uh, like, in hindsight now, as we're looking at the dust has settled with the transfer window, Think about realistically the teams in and around us that are going for the top four. Have they really strengthened? Have Tottenham they really? Nah, and I, still, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really say Tottenham because those are not the players that they were really looking for. Their, de their defense isn't great. Yeah, you know I'm saying it's like yeah, but and I have a lot of Tottenham fans around me that will say that's not what they, they want. They were looking for some creative players 
which the Kulisevsky's creative, is it? No, he's a winger. Kulisevsky. He is. He's got a bit of creativity about him. Absolutely, a bit of creative, but it's not the it's not the guy that they're really but looking. He, for. I I I think he's uh, Bentacle is is a is a massive upgrade on on what they have in, in midfield right now, especially the centre mid mm-hmm. position. And in terms of their winger, I think he's an upgrade on Lucas Murray. I think he's an upgrade on on uh, Stephen Bergwijn. So they've upgraded. It might not be the upgrades that they want, but they still upgrade nevertheless. Mm-hmm. I still think Manchester United have a, have a fantastic team, and West Ham. That's the one that we're we're battling against, and we haven't haven't strengthened. And I think we have a better team than them. So it's all about going forward. And on the whole Aubameyang situation, I agree with you. I do I do want the Wenger guys out. You 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 forgot you uh, did not mention a certain name, and I'm very disappointed in you, Dash. And that's Granit Xhaka because he's a Wenger guy. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I apologize. Yeah, yes, you should yes. apologize. You should actually yeah. apologize. <laughs> Wholeheartedly, right here, live. I apologize. Because right now, because right now, in six months' time, when Lacazette leaves, who, by the way, we've offered another two-year contract, I'm pretty sure he's going to reject that. But once again, that's very embarrassing. That also yeah. are, are, begging, are begging Lacazette to stay, considering he's only scored 15 goals in the Premier League once for us in, five, in a five-year period, or more than five years, probably now. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ketia, six months, Aubameyang was the only person there that had a long-term deal. Yes, it was free, 50K. But we also need to realise that this man has talent. He, he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. Lacazette has, does not know how to put the ball in the back of the net at Arsenal. Um, and Cassia definitely doesn't know how to put the ball in the back of the net. And Balogun's off to Middlesbrough. So mm-hmm. we're, we, we're lacking options, man. And even though, yes, I, um, the situation was funky and Aubameyang should have been punished and he was rightfully punished by getting uh, by stripping the captaincy off him, I still think that you, you try and integrate him in because Arteta and his... And his old, uh, but I think it's uh, obviously it's, it's speculative, but from what we're hearing, it's deeper than just it being a case where he was late, and deeper than just it because he was also also sent home by Gabon due to disciplinary issues for the Afcon. You know it was saying? hard. So, it was hard, wasn't it? Nah, that's what I'm saying. So that was that that was basically the initial thing that was said. But Gabon have actually stated the re- the real reason. So he went out partying. The night before the Ghana game with um, Lima um, from Bournemouth, so it's a it's a load of disciplinary issues, and apparently he's he's been in Spain before trying to push for a deal with Barca and stuff like that. So uh, ultimately, it is sad to see someone that brought you know that kind of star um, kind of star power to Arsenal because we don't have many star players. And we yeah, have none I, right now, we have none. Ideally, you think to yourself, Arteta, surely you'd be able to integrate him back. Surely we need a goal. Mm-hmm. But if you see the way Arsenal have gotten rid of him, there, sh- there has to be a deeper reason to it. Unknown to us. But this is, what we're, this is what we're dealing with. This is the position that we're in at the moment. And we just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, we just live in hope right now. And that's the upsetting thing, isn't it? Because there's nothing certain. We wanted, like, in January, at least bring us someone that could be like, all right, gives a boost. Gives the players feeling like, you know what, we are kind of pushing for this top four, but we're now left in a situation where we're just like, all right, cool. Everybody else is uh, great around us and we're just here languishing in whatever position it is. So top four is done for you, yeah? Now, you know, if you know me, I always live in hope and I I try to live in the positive. So I'm always going to say, listen, we we never thought that would be in this position. So... Let, let, let's just let's just let's just push on you know what i mean we've got nothing to play for one competition 
Yeah, Whilst dash. everybody's going everywhere else, dash. hopefully that could pl play in our favor. Kale, bring, bring me in, please. Dash. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, man. We're going to be yin and yang on this. You, you, you stand on that side. Let me stand on this side. No, but bro, I, I, I remember the podcast we've done before and I was firmly on the, on, on the side that we were going to get oh, top no, four. He, 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 Kale was very adamant you're getting top four, but um, you just said something that, that just like, broke my ears of like, you know, what, what, what was that about... Um, you know, you, you you never thought you'd be in the situation, sort of thing. I mean, I, I very clearly stated that bring me back on in two months and you'll be seventh or we'll be sat in fourth. Did I not say that in December? Uh, I can't remember. I can't recall. Oh, no, I remember because that was the last time I was on the show. And I said very clearly to a small <sighs> tail and yourself. Yeah, I said very clearly mm. in two in one month time or whatever it was. I, I think I probably said a month time. Man United would be fourth and Arsenal would be back where they belong in seventh. And I think you're seventh. I don't know if you're sixth. I haven't checked the table. Yeah, but if you yeah, check, yeah, I think I think that in itself, in terms of position wise, right now nothing's on on level playing field, in it. Let's play out all our games on equal games. That was the, that was the, what we heard earlier. Man United, Man United had games and I. Or when Tottenham had games and it was like points on the board are more important. But all of of course, sudden, of you, course, you, you, you've got to play Wolves and you've got to play Brentford for what they don't. Yeah, but we 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 all we all know that this is the Premier League in it, so we can go and play Wolves and win points on the board. We can go and play Wolves and lose, so we don't. We, it's very much close. What what the the point I was making in the last podcast as well, and I'm making now is nobody gave us a hope. We I, were all, you're right, and right. You so. all laughed oh. at us when we were saying that. Listen, this you were is, never our, this is ball, but this is this is what I'm saying. A lot, a load of non-Arsenal non fans, rival fans were saying when we were saying, you know what, this is what we're hoping for. Not what we're saying that this is what we want because it wasn't realistic at the time, but we're hoping we want top four, we want to be challenging for this is where we feel that we belong, this is where we need to be at. You laughed at us at, at those statements alone. Now we're in and around it, you're still laughing at us. Let us do what we need to do in it. We're in the mix. We're still competing with the with the with uh, the bro, lack of... uh, Listen, Arsenal ain't getting top four. I told you back in. We're not, we're not. I'm not saying that we're gonna get top four. I'm no, not. I'm not stating is, that right you know, now. The thing, the thing is, you're you're coming from the perspective that Arsenal's still in the conversation and mathematically, of course, you very are. much so. Do you know no, why we're in a conversation? No, no, no. Do you know why we're in a conversation? No, no, do you know why? One second, one second. Let me, one second, let me finish because obviously you you said your monologue about Aubameyang, by the way, which I didn't agree with that either. But we'll get back onto that. No. Um, but this notion that Arsenal have got a chance again top four, and I said I'm I, I made it very clear in December. And I'll make it clear again. The only way you get top four is not by your you know your prowess or your amazing whatever it may be. Arteta's master plan is if the other teams above you fall off and I said to Cahill even Leicester will catch you up and obviously that, that was run out of town and Leicester might not catch you up but Wolves actually might overtake you if they beat you they're literally a point behind you so the, the, the way I see it is the only way Arsenal can get top four is not based on their own merit it's based on Spurs and might not bottling it because you were never in the conversation for me. Tottenham have got a far superior manager than you. They actually the favourites as it currently stands. But we know with Tottenham they'll bottle it at some point. But you were never in the running. My United's team is far superior on paper. We came second last season. We just had to sort our shit out. And Tottenham have got Conte. While you've got the worst, one of the worst managers 
in the league in Arteta. He's absolutely shocking. Yes, go on. Don't tell me about <laughs> I needed to bide my time because I see Usman trying to give me them punches to the gut. Uh, he, came for, he came for blood today. He came for blood, but <laughs> this this is what we say. This is what we say from the last podcast, isn't it? And we use this example. You guys made it second, even despite the fact that you you wasn't worthy of being second, or you wasn't the second best team in the. You still made second. If we make fourth due to your incompetent, like being uh, not consistent. Then we'll take that. We we know the level that we're at right now. We're not saying that we're going to be we're superior. We're not saying that um, we have all the things that you've just said. We're not saying that we're better than you guys. But we're saying we are in the mix. We're in and around the the, the points that you lot have got. You lot are supposedly meant to have had this great team. You got Ronaldo. You was meant to be pushing for the league and stuff like that. But you're in and around where we are. So if you slip up, that's not our fault. That's your fault. We will Absolutely. take the opportunity. We're like Edge, yeah? The master <laughs> opportunities. We, we, we take there. If you slip up, we're creeping in. So don't leave that door open for you. What you lot need to do is shut that door. Get the points. Be way ahead of us. If you keep us in the mix, of course we're in a conversation. I know where our team are. I, I will never sit here and be like, oh, Arsenal are still this, Arsenal are still that. I, like I just said, I'm living hope right now. That's all I got as a fan. I'm watching game by game. I hope we beat Wolves. We get the points and we march on. Simple as that. All that conversation about you're better. That I, I'm, I can't be involved in that because you know our situation. We're losing players. We've got inexperienced manager and our ship is not being run properly. But one thing that I will say is I'm just glad that we're in the position that we're in now. Trying to push. If we shoot for fourth and we don't get there, we'll probably get like Europa and build ourselves back up. That's all I can say. I just think that's the biggest fall from grace I've ever heard. Like the fact, <laughs> the fact that the fact that yourselves, you what about yourselves? Because you're sugarcoating it. Like, oh, uh, you know, we weren't expecting anything from this season. Let, let's let's keep it real, right? We mm. spent the most money in the summer, and I know what you're trying to say because what you've said is fair enough. But you spent the most money in the summer. You know, you had all these talented youngsters and they're still doing a good job, etc. You've, you've signed a top quality playing party. It's not delivered. Aubameyang, Lacazette, 130 million. Pepe's, add Pepe's price tag to that. That was what you're touching on with 200 million on attackers that you've not got the best. Arteta's not got the best at any of them. So let's not, let's not try and play that game that you haven't got but players Usman, there. One second, one second. So you're playing that you're playing the game that we haven't got any we haven't got any X, Y, and Z. Uh, you've got Pepe, 70 million, yeah. Mm. You've got Lacazette, 50 plus million. You've got Ober, 60 million, Golden Boot winner two seasons ago. Arteta has failed. Whether you want to sugarcoat it as a progress or whatever you want to call it and load it up as like, you know, we'll go back and bro, this is on Arteta. And you, you I think that's what Arsenal fans are completely overlooking. Like you're trying to put this positive spin on it, which I understand. I, I respect that you've been optimistic, but at the same time, you've got Pepe there, who's 75 million, who's a top player, and he's not being used. Aubameyang just got you. Just Aubameyang's washed his hands of Arsenal, not the other way around. He's terminated his own contract, not the other way around, and he's flown to Barcelona to do Arden Wingy and force a flipping move. <laughs> you've got man doing Arden Wingy, you know, in a different country and claiming it's a family holiday. This ain't no joke. Like, mm. Arteta is ruining your club and 
the funniest thing is, and you said a comment earlier, which crapped me up, because you said you need to get rid of Wenger's players. Which one is still here? Granit Xhaka, the one that said that to your fans. Why is he the one who's outlasted everybody else? He should have been the first man out the door. And now he's your captain. I'm sorry, but Arteta has got blood on his hands. I don't. I know you're trying to dress him up as much as you want, but the way, the way, you, bro, Emery got sacked for coming fifth and losing the Europa League final, and now you're potentially saying let's aim for fourth, that like, as in shoot for the stars and you land on the clouds. It's a, a, a analogy, bro. That's not what Arsenal meant to be. You've got two hundred pound, two hundred million pounds worth of attacking talent. Two, one more. One in Lacazette and one in Pepe that he's completely extradited. You've got Partey, he's a top player. You've got Billy Sacco, who's a top player. Smith, fair play to him, he's brought them through. And then you've got Odegaard. You've got bare talent in your team. So this notion that you shouldn't be in the mix, it's on Arteta. So uh, please explain to me why Arteta uh, isn't to blame for this absolute monstrosity. That no, that's happened. not the question you asked me, though. You didn't ask me that question to start off with. You've now just screwed somewhere else with the questioning. I just said, in the position that we're at this this point in the season, we are in the mix. We're in the conversation for top four. Because as much as you're saying, we've got the Pepes, we've got this player, this manager's to blame. Look at yourselves. You're pointing, but there's other fingers pointing back to yourself. You've got the Ronaldo. You're closer to us than you are to the to the top of the league. You know what I'm saying? So this is what I'm trying to tell you. This is why we are. This is why we can have this conversation about top four. We're, we're both in the same boat. You you might be in first class, but I can still see you over there. You know what I'm saying? So this is what this is what I'm just saying. I hear you on all of that. I'm not coming on no shows, bigging up Arteta and saying he's doing a great job and stuff like. That. We know the position. It's unfortunate. We don't want to be talking about oh. We're barely trying to scrape for fourth or we're shooting for this and that. We want to be talking. We want to be in the conversations of winning a league and stuff like that, as we did back in the days. But that's not who we are right now. And if we can scrape a fourth by the means of you guys not doing your job, I will take that because it means a whole load more to us than you guys. Look, we can't even attract players right now because we're not in Champions League. We're not getting the caliber of players that we need. We need these things. For you guys, it's just like, all right, cool. I don't know how. I don't know how satisfied you are with the league <laughs> so far this season. Hey, listen, if we don't get top four, it's not like that at all. There you go. You that. That's what I'm saying. So it's like it's that. easy for you to be like, oh, you should be there. You should be there. It's the same as you guys. It's exactly the same. You look at your players. You got your Rashfords. You got your Ronaldos. You got your all of these players, and they're not pulling up trees either. You know what I'm saying? Who's to blame? Was it Oli? Is it Ralph? Wreck it, Ralph. Is uh, it your ab- absolutely Oli was to blame? That's why it cost him his job. But uh, the, the point, the point being is, you know, you're kind, you're kind of painting a picture that you know your up and coming team. You're painting a picture. No, like not at all. No, no that's all. the picture you're painting. Like, I, I'm painting a picture of optimism to be competing of pure have. optimi- of, of pure optimism. That's the, that's the, there's no black and white to it. That's exactly what it is. Op- there's no hope right now. Look at our transfer window. <laughs> Look at the January one. Yeah, you know I'm saying. So 
I get it. Man United yeah. fans, you know, you know what I get, yeah, Cahill. You know what I get. Man United fans, they still want us to be there with them and tussling and fighting and having these debates. Apparently, they, they, honestly, they, they think they're in 2002 yeah, again, we're, bro. we're weak right now. Leave us to do what we're doing. We just... Nah, nah, man. What, what's that, man? Nah, nah, nah. We, like, we have what beef. Is, we want to go We're not ready yet, man. We're not ready. We're not ready. You're not ready for beef. Nah, We're not ready yet. We're not ready. You can't hack it. That's what I think. Arsenal fans thought the biggest game, yeah? My United fans are deluded. I'll accept that. And I think Cody will agree. We're very toxic with Deluda, etc. But Arsenal fans taught the biggest game, yeah. I remember the show the last time I was on, you man's was sat there with chairs saying you'll get top four. And now all of a sudden, nah, you now nah, go back, go, go back, back, go back to the go back uh, to the bro, show, man. Go back to the show, chairs, please. You I hit top four, and I said hit... finish seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this, on nah. the, to be honest, I remember that show. It was only me that was saying that we we're in a race. I think Dash and um, what was the no, other I was agreeing with you, Kale. Yeah. You agree with me? Well, there you go. There, there were those that were saying we we're in the top. I don't. I, I've never ever said we yeah, guaranteed come on. top four. I don't think anything's never, guaranteed, ever. but you both said you're getting top four. Nothing's no, guaranteed. We yeah, you guys were saying All we're right. not in the race, and we were trying to explain to you You're exactly what we're saying now. We're not in the race. We're in the race. top four, bro. We're yeah, bro. We're not in the race, but it is. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be stuck in this subject for ages, man. It's gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm loving it, but we have to move on. It's been half an hour, but we have to move on. All I'm saying right now is. Arteta has to get top four, or in my eyes, it's, it's, it's uh, getting the bin. Yeah, I agree. Um, he he should join the uh, he should join the ostracized players. In not- <laughs> wow, <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I, yeah, but I've, I've said that for a while now. But um, I was gonna say Chelsea, but Chelsea, I was looking at Chelsea, but they haven't bought anybody in really. They're not, but then again, they've not really weakened their their their, uh, their team mm. either. Mm. So not much to talk about Chelsea. Is 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 that a sign that they're not really taking this uh, season? Seriously now, that I think they think they, they the board thinks it's over in terms of Premier League and maybe the Champions League with the team that they have is just a bit too far. Um, I think I mean they're not in the title race anymore. So I think they're in a situation where this team is good enough to get a top four position. So they're settled on that. Whether they whether the expectation from Abramovich and his boys is for Chelsea to reach another final, that I don't know. Obviously, we know in the past that his expectations have been high. I want titles. I want. I want trophies. So, you know, um, they're in the final of the Carabao Cup. I know that's not enough for him. Don't get me wrong, but they're in the final of a competition regardless. They still win the Champions League. Um, even I guess people say mathematically the league, the league race is not over, but they're not catching City. So, I, I don't know. I think I think they just right now know that top four is where they're gonna be, but they're still in the Champions League. So I think that's enough for them to say, okay, you know, we've got the team. And then what? Look, in a two-legged game. Anything can happen, man. At the end of the day, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. they could come away with a victory against a side that we think, like, for example, Real Madrid have been storming La Liga. They're looking fantastic. If they play Chelsea again and Chelsea beat them again, there's going to be like, well, you know, Real Madrid are a better side, but we've we've beaten them again. So let's see. Let's see. Um, they're just in a nice position right now where they're like, okay, we don't need to really buy too tough. They'll get Mendy back. Um, can't remember if anyone else from their squad went to the Cup of Nations. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I think they're fine, man. 
don't want to talk about a, t- a team outside the top six, which is probably your first time for, for for this show. We're going to talk about Everton because um, they have spent uh, pretty big. They're in. They're pretty much in the mud right now. I think a lot of you guys would agree, but they have spent big. Uh, Frank Lampard has obviously joined the uh, the squad, and he's brought along with him Donny Van der Beek from Manchester United on loan. Deli Ali, which I'm seeing forty million pounds here, but I thought it was ten million. It, it, can ri- it can rise to 40. If he plays 20 games or something like that, mm. it's another 20 million. And if he gets, I don't know. Gets them into like European, goal. yeah. Oh, European players, then he gets, then they get another 10. So pretty good deal from Tottenham. Uh, El Ghazi's there, Nathan Patterson from Rangers. Uh, Vitali Milenko's obviously replaced uh, Luka Dignac at left back and uh, pretty much uh, torn uh, Kojo's uh, FM game sheet in, in half when he, when he comes to left back. But it is what it is, man. Um, what, what are you guys saying? What do you guys think on, on this whole Everton situation? You know, they're very close to being in a relegation battle, but these signings are very promising for uh, for Everton and Frank Lampard. Um, so, TK Max Man United have... Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, too much, you know. <laughs> um, no, I'm not very sure about the last two signings. I've, on a personal level, I went done even a bit to go under Vieira rather than um, Everton. Yeah. This was before. before <laughs> we I, I mean, manager, manager, sort of um, both being ex midfielders, top class midfielders. By the way, he can learn from both. But regardless, for me, it was a case of I feel like Palace are in a much better position. They play a better brand of football that I think will suit Donny van der Beek more. So I thought with someone like Vieira at the helm as well, that would help him to develop his game even more in the Premier League and get used to the the physicality of the Premier League a lot more because Vieira came into the league and dominated it. He wasn't here from the beginning like uh, Lampard. And Lampard did well physically here as well, not, don't get me wrong, but I thought Vieira would be the better tutor for him. Um, but the Deli Alli signing... It confused me because one, apparently Donny van der Beek's loan deal is off the basis that he's been promised that he will play in the number 10 role as a starter. So now if you sign him as a starter in the number 10 role, where does what? yeah, where does Deli Ali fit in? This is my question because Deli Ali is number 10. He's not if you put him in number eight, I mean, please do what you want. Put him in number eight and see what happens. He's either number 10 or you play him as some sort of false nine or just retraining to be a striker because he doesn't got the midfield capabilities anymore. I just don't understand that deal. Now, I don't know what the targets are to get to 40 million pounds. I would hope that Everton would say that they'll be winning the Premier League because that's not going to happen. <laughs> but something tells me it's going to be something like reaching the Conference League or reaching the European League spot. And that can happen for Everton at some point if they get their, their shit together. Um, excuse my language. But... Um, <sighs> I just, I just don't understand their transfer window again because I don't see major improvements. Donny van der Beek is a good signing for them, but he's a low signing. So that's not improving the squad. That's a temporary thing. Mm. Then he's not been informed for three years. Mikolenko is going to have some time to have to adapt before he can be known as a proper replacement for Digne. And who did you say this time from Rangers? They have signed Nathan Patterson. Okay, so Nathan, the best youngster there. Right. Is this Everton being Everton, man? This is the same old, same old, if I'm being honest. Nothing's going to change. And it wouldn't surprise me if they go down. I'm just going to say yeah. that right now. With, despite, yeah, no. Despite all the signings, it wouldn't surprise me if they go down. They're not... Well, they got super frank. I was about to ask you that question. It was, what's Frank Lampard going to do for, for this Everton side, you think, Usman? Um, 
it's, it's, it's hard to say, but one thing I am expecting is uh, an opt-in in, in the manner in which they play, to be honest. I do think uh, all the players, like Richarlison in particular, has really suffered on the Benitez. Of course, he has been injured um, for brief periods, but even when he's played, um, I just think he's struggled really in a system where it's predominantly negative. I think that is going to benefit uh, the more attacking players that they have got. They have got quite a bit of talent with that team, to be fair, um, but they've just been playing in such a negative system. So for me, with Frank Lampard coming in, um, I'm hoping it just injects a bit more intensity into them because I have got quite... Uh, a young forward line like Dali Ali, I know they're all like mid twenties. Uh, Richarlison, of course, Calvert Lewin, uh, you know, Damari Gray as well. That as a front four is pretty solid. I'm not going to lie. I know Van der Beek, as you just mentioned, potentially behind him, but you know, I think Lampard's got more than enough capabilities of keeping him up without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I'd expect a new manager bounces just whether the players are able to switch it on in terms of the new intensity because Lampard does kind of play with a. Uh, more intense football, he likes to press from the front, and I'm intrigued to see if he tries to turn Mason, uh, Mason Mount, tries to turn Deli Ali into a Mason Mount in the sense that, um, obviously, you know, they're not the similar pro- prototype, but in terms of what he did to Mason Mount at Derby and what he did to Chelsea, a lot of people didn't really uh give Mount his flowers, really. And Lampard truly believed in him, um, and I think Lampard with. Deli Ali in particular, I think that's an absolute peach of a signing, to be quite honest with you, because, you know, there's no one better for Deli Ali to learn off. There's literally no one. You know, Mason Mount is a, a great example of what hard work can provide. Um, and he was one of the main architects uh, in obviously achieving that with Mount. And now he's, a, you know, he's a stonewall in that Chelsea team. So for me, I think he's going to be a massive influence on the likes of Richardson, Calvert-Lewin, but Deli Ali in particular, if he actually sorts his head out, and um, I honestly think he could be one of the best players in the league at the end of the season, which might be a crazy statement coming in the season because he might flop. But I just, I, de- I just love Lampard as a player, and if he can pass on any of his knowledge, ghosting into the, th- you know, ghosting into the box, Deli Ali can refine his form similar to what Lingard did at West Ham. Didn't manage to pass it on to Kai Havertz though, did he? Listen, I'm, a, I'm not, I'm a defend Kai Havertz. I'm a defending because. Tuchel found the right system with him and he went to score in the Champions League final on that. It was when they signed someone else. That's when it all went to bag. And you know exactly who I'm because talking about. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not even going yeah, I'm to, I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. That's it. I'm going to leave it there. But you've, you've seen, you've seen the damage. But anyway, we move. We've seen the damage. Liverpool, though, we're going to you. Uh, Dash. Uh, Luis Diaz, 49 million from Porto. And was uh, um, it? Carvalho? What's his yeah, first that fell through. I didn't go through. Oh, that fell through. Fair enough. Yeah. Then it's just Luis Diaz uh, from Porto, 49 million. A, a Spurs uh, target ended up going to Liverpool. Who's he going in there to replace? Is it going to be uh, the future Sadio Mane or are they just uh, protecting themselves for in case that Mo Salah doesn't get to sign that 400 or 500k a week deal? You've you got to think about it this way. Like, how long has um, Klopp had those players now three mm. four seasons mm. and we and we, we continuously say like oh how can you get a tune out of this these bunch of players again another season another season i think at this point in the time now they've recognized you know what we need to now start thinking about the following season just in case just in case uh, the money situation or a, a salah situation <clears throat> falls through or whatever 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 it may be um quality player 
obviously coming out of Portugal. Um, it's just whether or not he's, he's able to adapt quickly into the Premier League. If they can get a tune out of him, he is a quality player uh, on the on the attacking side. Mm. I, I, you know, with with Klopp, this is what he does, isn't it? He only needs when your team is patterned. You only need the one player. You only need just that little bit of sprinkle in the stew. You know, what I mean, you don't need to be going cutting up all the vegetables again. So um, we we just have to wait and see. Is, is, could he have the impact like Bruno Fernandez came from Portugal straight away? We don't know. Maybe they might not show that amount of faith in him straight away. Oh, his connection's gone. If, 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 oh, if Liverpool yeah. never bought anybody, it would have um, made a difference. Sorry, bro. It, it, it cut you out for like a good five seconds, so we missed like a section of what you said. I don't know if he can hear us. Yeah, you said you is at the point where you said Luis Diaz is better than Salah. The what did you say? Now, I think his connection's gone, you know. His connection's gone, yeah. His connection's gone. Um, yeah, yeah you will go back to us. Um, but yeah, Luis Diaz better than Salah, uh, Usman. You can pick back <laughs> off that one. You know, on, on, on a level, right? You guys know me when it comes to Liverpool, but I genuinely think this could be the signing of the window. Mm. Um, um, look, obviously, you know, I don't watch Porto week in, week out, but what I've seen of the guy, you destroyed Man City in the Champions League for starters, but what I've seen of the guy, <clears throat> just got raw talent in abundance, and for the price that they paid, for me, um, and I said this on another stream last night, um, this is Liverpool ahead of the game. You know, Sadio Mane is potentially on his way out in the summer. Uh, we have had murmurs that they want to they want to replace him at some point. Um, and this is the perfect opportunity for them to bed a new player in without the pressures of having to start week in, week out, give him a couple of appearances, put a bit of pressure on Mane to improve his performances um, and potentially take Mane's spot from the end of the season. So for me, it's a fantastic bit of business from um, obviously Liverpool and also kind of shows me that Klopp is kind of here for the, re the rebuild or the, uh, the next cycle of, you know, the front line, so to speak. Obviously, Salah... Uh, is in contract talks. I would assume they're going to keep him. But yeah, I think he could be signing off the season potentially because not season, sorry, but January signing without a shadow of a doubt. Another. Oh, you're going to say something, Koja? Uh, yeah, just I was very upset when I saw that deal go through because um, I've, I, I'm, I'm a fan of his. And um, the thing is, it's just more quality and depth, isn't it? That's what it is. Um, and also, you guys, you guys made the point. Obviously, it was, um, Mane and Salah, but they're getting to their thirties now, so it's about the next stage. Whether this whole thing about Klopp not signing a new contract and going on a break, or whether the next move is for him, if that's true, what he's doing is setting up Liverpool for the next stage. So Jota's there, um, Luis Diaz is now joined, and he could potentially go for another number nine or uh, what, another box to box number nine um, in, in the Firmino mold, and you know link that front three so look it's it's a smooth transition and it's a thing where now it's like okay if Mane or Salah well more Salah to be honest is um left out of the team then they're, they're less worried about who goes up front because um for their two games I think they've played since um the African Cup of Nations started it's been um Minamino and Oxley Chamberlain that's been starting a lot more up top mm -hmm. and I don't think that's something they want long term. I think Minamino and Oxford Chamberlain will be sold within the summer or the summer after that. So, um, yeah, I, this kind of signing just annoys me because he's got all the qualities that would fit in the Premier League. He's quick, he's mm -hmm. aggressive, he knows how to finish, his decision making is good. 
and he's young, man. So he's still got years upon years to come and make an impact in this league. So, you know, it's annoying because they are, they're not out of the title race, but City obviously are doing the thing right now. But what it means is, all right, cool. If we don't win it this year, we're ready for um, another squad for next, next year. Time. And they're ready. They're pouncing. They're in a good position and they still want more. Whereas, because I could say all of our clubs or both of our clubs, essentially, we're not doing the same thing. You know what I mean? That's not that same ambition. So, Kudos to them, man. And also, well done to Tottenham for doing another scout report like they did with Willie and, and then losing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tottenham are useless, man. Oh, oh. Take him off Liverpool's hands, bro. You, 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 you can joke about a scout report, but didn't you do a scout report on Julian Alvarez and he ended up at Manchester City? I did it by myself, yeah? yeah. And my team let me... No, I lied. No, May United got in contact with his agents and did nothing after. Waste of time. Mm. Absolute waste of time. Waste of time. But there we go. That's the that's the only signing that Manchester City have made. And Julian Alvarez, I think he went back to uh, River Plate on River Plate. the rest of the season. But it's one of those things where they, they're after a number nine, 14 million pounds for, for Manchester City. That's very cheap. That's, that's, that's like a five million pound signing for all the, the rest of us, to be honest with you. Um, going forward, did you think next season, is he going to be their, their starting number nine or are they, are they going to go for a half? No, apparently, apparently he's... um. They're, obviously, they've sent him back to River Plate and they could negotiate another year for him to go out to stay at River Plate. So it's not an initial, like, oh, we bought him and we want him to be the number nine, which I thought that was it. I thought that, okay, mm. they've just creeped in another yeah. another nine and then just embed him in and then we'll see how it goes. Uh, no fanfare about it, but apparently it's just more of a long-term kind of thing. Get him to still play his football, essentially, first-team football, out there in River Plate because he's adored, he's loved, he's done well in the Copa America. Um, I think he was got player the the tournament, um, scored a bag of goals out there in Argentina. So it's one of them situations where City right now, although we were always clamoring and saying, "Oh, they need a number nine, they don't really need a number nine because they've proved that they can do without. But you know, in the long term fixes, obviously, there's only so long you can play a situation, a play like this, and for for people not to figure you out. So, probably see are getting to that point now, just where they're planning for the future. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a, he's also a bit of a winger as well. He, he's a number nine, but he can play as a winger as well. There is with City, it's one it's one thing where it's like they weren't afraid to bring Gabriel Jesus straight into the team. That's a different situation, obviously, but. If he continues to perform the way he's performed for River Plate and Pep looks at him and says, you know what, he's ready now, he could come in the summer and say, all right, mm. you know what, let's do the thing. Because the guy's talented, man. The boy's uh, he's looking at, so he's got um, all the comparisons to your Tevez's already. Tevez, yeah. Years, and your Aguero's because of how he finishes. So, and he's he's not a player that's shied away from that. So far, he's looking like the real deal. Mm. Um, and there's been a bag of players that have come from South America in recent years that have come to like your Real Madrid, Rodrigo and Vinicius are now shining. You know what I mean? Um, Gabriel Jesus shined, shined for a little bit, nice, sort of lost his way a little bit, but it happens. Still a young guy, young enough to um, improve his situation. So with Julian Alvarez, that's why I was so annoyed because I was like, okay, do May United need another number nine such another winger? Not really, but if you're looking to invest in the future and move smart, and especially now considering that we've lost um, Anthony Martial and, well, Lingard is just not going to play games. You know, it, it would have made sense to bring in Julian Alvarez, but bringing him in <laughs> immediately. You know what I'm saying? So, ah, man, I, I'm envious of City because they're just bossing, they're making the team even better. And mm. it's the whole point. It's like, all right, cool. Even if it's not now, 
a year, two years, he'll be with us. And that's the main thing, man. That's what I was going to say. You said, obviously, immediately, but do you reckon this is, at this point in time, this is the right situation for Julian Alvarez to, to come to Man United? Um, well, I'm going to ask that question. Um, I'll just say, when is the right time? Because we're forever in turmoil. So when is the right time? You know what I'm <laughs> just bring him in. Yeah, I get you, man. I get you. Forever in turmoil. Martial FC is no longer. Uh, is is no more. This man. How, how you feel about that whole situation? I know. I know. Um, what, what did you call him? Um, Jim Paul Jeffers. He, he's he's not there anymore. Ian left. Yeah, I mean. Look, at the end of the day, look, Martial wanted to leave, so I think it was the right decision because you know he's going to play, he's going to play frequently there. Um, you know how things have panned out on Man United in the last forty-eight hours or so, of course, do change our current situation to the fact that we actually needed Martial to stay because it now means we have to keep Lingard. <clears throat> for me, for me personally, um, I'm I'm hoping that the new manager comes in and actually keeps him because I actually want Cavani and Ronaldo to leave at the end of the season. Um, for different reasons, Cavani's going anyways. Um, Ronaldo, for me personally, I've been very happy with what he's done. Um, but he's 37. He's going to be 38 next season. I mean, we can't be relying on him for, you know, continue to... keep. But you can't move forward and rely on a 38-year-old, basically. So, for me personally, I'm disappointed that Marcel's gone. But at the end of the day, if he's playing week in, week out, um, you know, rejuvenates himself in terms of, you know, hopefully finds his form, finds his feet. Uh, potentially helps him, you know, leads him to a title as well. Um, he might come back, he might not, but yeah, it's 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 disappointing he's not got an opportunity this season because I think he could have definitely offered something as he showed against West Ham when he came on. He needed to leave, man. The guy just doesn't look happy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like I don't know if we if we we're all human in it, and we've all played football in whatever capacity and the guy just doesn't look happy when he comes on the pitch, comes off the pitch. He's never playing with a smile on his face, nothing. Um, I don't know if the United dream actually panned out for him. I don't know if he's been able to fulfill his potential at United. He came with, with so much uh, potential, obviously, uh, from Monaco, but it's just not worked out for him. I think at this stage of his career, he needs to hold down a first team place where his goals are actually counting for something. You know what I mean? You're actually pushing a charge for a team. You're, you're being given that responsibility. You got to think about it. This is a guy that went to United, had his number taken off of him, given to somebody else. Then you give it back to him. You know what I mean? You're going through You're going through all of these things. I know that you're shaking your head, Koja, but it's it's like certain players need, need no. to be treated accordingly or uh, the way they need to be treated in order to perform you're right i hear that but for me it's like don't get me wrong and again keho will know because me and keho did podcasts in the past where me and him like people will come on our podcast and get onto marshall me and him would like defend, defend marshall yeah and be like, no you're being very unfair on marshall certain situations managers all of that but it gets to a point where it's like you obviously the numbers for example you, you said the number thing all right all right cool so you you need that number nine on your back to give you that extra boost of confidence i guess you know make you feel like you are the the number one striker at the club that's fine and then you got the number and then you had that one season under ollie where you you went i won't say crazy but you had a good season you had a good mm. season. number nine you scored a good you had a good return of goals you had a good link up with double two in the front three it was looking it was looking rosy for you 
And then there was a decline in form that just was terrifying. And it ended up with um, a, a massive injury at the end of the season. Yeah. In the last two or three months of the season. And it's like, trust me, I'm, I'm the first to, or not the first anymore, but I used to be the first to like go and defend Marshall and be like, no, you get, take your time on him. My thing is, time over time, He's been here a number of years now. It's not been a it's not been a two or three year thing. It's been a number of years, and it's just got to a point where I'm like, I can't look at you and say that you I can depend on you as my number nine. That's where I'm at. I have time for you if you're a player that knows your role in the squad. We were time where we had four strikers: Cole, York, Sharon Gum, Solskjaer. I knew who the starters were. I knew who the benchmen were, but everyone played their role. So, Marshall, if you want to you want to be number nine, you want to be the man, and you're not the, you're not performing enough as the man in number nine. Mm-hmm. Either you know your role when someone else comes to take it, or you go. And he decides to go, and that's fine. I'm not mad at him for that. He wants to go and play. Sevilla said you're going to be number nine. Go for it. Go murk it. Do your thing. If you come back and a new manager wants you here, great. Try and replicate that form. If you do get that form here, if you say I'm happy in Spain and I want to stay there, there is no issue. Things happen in football. We've seen bigger players leave. We've seen smaller mm-hmm. players leave. It is what it is. That's what it is for me. I, I don't wish on anyone to to fail. I would love it if Marshall succeeded because if I was criticising him and then he actually stayed this January and then he went on a crazy one of goals from now to the end of the season, I'll be sitting there saying, you know what? You stuck that back in my face and thank you because my, my team's performing. But that's not the situation. That's not the case. He hasn't done that for a while. So it's just what it is. He man. needed to move. I think ultimately, what? how many seasons? Five, six he, years? He 2015. So this is his seventh season. I mean, yeah, seventh seven season. Yeah. I think any United fan right now will look at it and be like, and as you just alluded to, it's just like, you don't want him to fail. You want him to succeed. But if it's not going to be at Man United, you just got to move on. Is, and then that, then, then that allows for the next, you know, player to come in yeah. and, you can move in the way you need to move. Exactly. And bro, this is this is the same thing with Pogba as well. Because me and Osman will defend Pogba to the hills. Cahill has defended Pogba many times in this podcast. I love the guy. I don't want him to leave. But if he goes somewhere else and shines, my brother, go and shine. It's what it is. Yeah. What's his name? Marshall already got a video from R9. That's beautiful. He wasn't getting that old Trafford. <laughs> That's crazy though. It would have been Quinton Fortune at Old Trafford. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know with respect on Fortune's name, G. I love Quinton Fortune, but Quinton Fortune, so are... him, bro. He would have mentioned Quinton Fortune if you did, if you respected him. Nah, man. Um, it's R nine. It's different things. You know what I'm saying it is different things. It is different things. Um, I mean, a lot of Manchester United fans would have. I imagine you guys would have expected some uh, moves to 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 come in, some players to come in. Ralph Ragnick was come is coming there. He's coming there with a with a reputation. Uh, of of discovering players and knowing what exactly the, uh, these teams need to progress and move forward, and he, they just signed absolutely no one. Where, where do you put the blame, Wisman? Is it is it solely on the board? I imagine that's what you're going to say, or is it Ralph Ragnick not being a bit more proactive considering what he's going to do next season? I don't think it's got anything to do with Ralph to be honest. In terms of <clears throat> him not being proactive, um, I think it kind of comes down to the fact that he's an interim manager. Um, of course, it's difficult to buy for an interim manager knowing that they're not going to be the manager in a few months, literally a few months' time as well. Um, you know, hypothetically, where to get a Haidara, a Zakaria, a Kamara, you know, they're the three players we were linked to the most. And I think Ra- Ralph wanted Haidara out of the three of them in particular um, from IB Leipzig. But 
at the end of the day, if you bring in a, a Haidara and then the, next, the new manager doesn't want them, then it's a new another Van der Beek situation. And we've already got a Van der Beek there as well. What do you do with Van der Beek? So for me personally, it's, it's understandable. Um, I, my only thing was that we should have got a loan, basically. I wasn't expecting us to sign anyone. We should have potentially got a loan just, you know, to cover our tracks, you know, Martial Ahmed, certain individual that shall not be named, you know, no longer in the team. Um, and then you've got rid of Danny van der Beek. So it's just a matter of bodies. And I know it's not going to be a popular thing, but I would have probably just taken Herrera on the loan. Again, probably would not have played much. Um, but it's just an extra body, just in case. Because, like, Matic, you can't rely on him. McFred and McFred. You know, Pogba, he's got a lot of issues coming in the next couple of months because of his contract. So I don't think his head's going to be the right place. And then Bruno Fernandes has been very indifferent this season, although... The last couple of weeks has been better. So for me, I think we went we went wrong in the sense that we should have got a loan. Um, but it does look like we're gonna get Pochettino. Um it's not guaranteed, but I'd probably say eighty five percent that Pochettino's gonna be my as next manager, so um maybe ninety percent even. Um so is Pochettino gonna go for the likes of Hardara, Kamara, etc.? You know, it remains to be seen. So from Ralph's perspective and the boss perspective, they need to wait until we announce the manager. Um, until we sign players because like I said we don't want to repeat what's already happened I mean to a team that didn't <laughs> sign anybody to a team that completely pulled the trigger this transfer window Newcastle United having like five players in Kieran Trippier Chris Wood Bruno Gamares or however you say that name I'll probably, I'll probably Gamares. Gamares, Gamares there we go uh, Matt Target and Dan Byrne I mean I said this on your show yesterday when I, I think it's uh it's smart because these are the types of players that have been in relegation battles. They know how to deal with that sort of situation, escape it. Kieran Chippier, relegation battle for Chris Wood, relegation battle, target relegation battle, Dan Byrne, relegation battle. They've gone for experience. And Dash, I'll come to you. Is that going to be the the is that going to be the uh the thing that gets them out of this entire relegation situation? You know, it's always gonna. It was always gonna be the case where Newcastle with their with their big bucks now. Everybody's expecting them to get the sexy names in it. That's that's what everybody was looking at. Oh, they're gonna get this player. Are oh, they gonna get the uh, the the Rubinho signing to kickstart their revolution? But I think <clears throat> with a manager, you gotta look at it, look at it this way. From new from time Newcastle went for Eddie Howe, whoever was in, involved in the mix of the of us obviously the managerial um, choosing. They've gone for Eddie Howe, and Eddie Howe has identified these are the players that we need to really grind out these results at the bottom. Guys are not going to come in just on some prima donna business or they're getting paid X amount and they're just here for a holiday. Um, they're going to grind out results. If they survive, you know, with the players that they've got, then that's the springboard for them to, to kick on in it, being in the Premier League, and then obviously trying to get the players that they need. So... We, as you've mentioned, in terms of their credentials, they're all experienced players. They've all been in relegation battles. Um, Chris Wood has, has come from Burnley, who are struggling themselves, and he knows how to grind out. So he's going to Newcastle, and that's that's his job. That's what he's going to have to do: get the, get get those goals for for um, for Newcastle. And um, yeah, I, I think like you can you can see that there is a well fought. Um, process in regards to the players that they've got and the caliber of players that they've got, so it, it makes sense, isn't it? Whether or not they're going to be able to do it is a different question to be asked. But if you're looking at a manager that's trying to um, implement a type of philosophy for the for the time frame for the time being, 
then yeah, Eddie Howe's um, obviously um, done well in that, in that retrospect. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I think the Robinho-esque kind of, obviously not Robinho quality like, but the it's certainly an icing on the cake. Bruno Gomez comes from Leon for 40 million. Usman, uh, let's just talk about what type of, what, what he'll bring to this Newcastle side. Yeah, in, t- in terms of what, you know, he brings to the team is the most important thing in football, which is control. You know, Newcastle, their team are predominantly very wasteful on the ball. You know, they haven't really got a midfield general, uh, someone who can put their foot on the ball and actually dictate play uh, against teams that they have the opportunity to do so. And I think uh, players around him in particular, the likes of St. Maximum, um, is someone that's going to benefit massively from his addition. Because St. Maximum's biggest issue... I know he's been inconsistent and I know Newcastle fans have criticised him, but a lot of the opportunities for him when he gets the ball are in deep positions where he has to beat two or three men. You've now got a player and Bruno's got the capabilities of actually finding him in dangerous areas and actually feeding him the ball in a position where he can actually hurt the opposition. So he's probably going to play further up the pitch and collect the ball more importantly in dangerous areas in the final third or if not, you know, the final quarter or whatever you want to class it as. Um, you know, a, a position where he can actually hit the opposition. So, yeah, for me personally, that is definitely something that brings to the table. The second thing, of course, um, is capabilities of helping the defence. Of course, as a midfielder, your job is integral to help the defence, but more so in the sense of playing out from the back. Again, Newcastle are not a team um, that you would affiliate with brilliant football, but Eddie Howe, as we know from Bournemouth, likes to play passing football. He likes, to, mm. he likes players on the ball. That are capable of playing at the back. You know, if you look at the additions, everyone that he's brought in, um, very good on the ball. You know, the Trippier's got a much experience. Burns, very good on the ball. Um, uh, Target's fairly solid on the ball as well. So he's actually got now got the capabilities of actually playing the ball at the back. And who better to have someone like Bruno in front of them who's got the capabilities of actually collecting the ball and starting attacks. And that that's the most important thing. They've not had that. I know Shelby's had a good, you know, good time at Newcastle. He's been up and down, but there's been a lot of burden on Shelby's head. And Hayden's not got the capabilities of doing that. I don't know what's happened to Willett, but Hayden's not got the you know the facilities to do that. So for me, fantastic signing. If you actually look at his stats, you know, I'm not big on stats as you guys know, but if you actually look at his stats, every positive stat for a midfield in terms of inter- interceptions, uh, forward passes, um, through balls, the guy's literally in top three for every start in the entire league, if not first for most of them. So it's an absolute scalp for Newcastle. And I'm actually surprised my United didn't go for him. Because we could have done with him, also could have done with him. There's other teams that probably should have went for him. Yeah, um, we were linked. We were linked with him. Yeah, Heavily, and, uh, yeah. oh yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, but you know, fair play to you know, fair play to Newcastle. It's a phenomenal signing for them in, in terms of where they currently are. So it's a huge upgrade. So yeah, I think he's going to bring a lot to the table for me. With all these signings, coach, how do you, you rate their chances? Of staying up, yeah. I said before these the, the signings that they were staying up for me because I thought like they would. The owners feel like I feel like there's a structure in place where they know who to sign and where to go for first. And if you look at how City did it and how Chelsea did it when they were taking over, they got the defense sorted. Carvalho came in, Paulo Ferreira came in, Makalele came in with City, even though they had a couple of duds here and there. But company came in, Fernandinho came in, so Zabaleta came in. So it's like a a culture they're building. And with you've already mentioned um, Dan Burn, you've mentioned um, Kieran Trippier. They got Matt Target on loan. He's been in good form this season. Obviously, Gerard prefers um, Digne, so he's obviously brought him in and obviously he's taking this spot. Um, and as Usman spoke beautifully on Bruno Guimaraes, I, I can't really more add more to that. Literally, what he does is what Usman said. 
uh, words for word, bar for bar. So, um, yeah, I think they've started off very well. And it's good because if you can build a solid defence, you can win games 1-0, 2-1, and, you know, get enough to just stay up. And then in the summer, then they can think about bolstering that front line. But then again, they're still trying to go for a striker. So it shows intent. It shows that they're not just depending on Callum Wilson, but I think he's even out for the season now. So they're saying, okay, we do need another striker. We need another man up top. And that's that's um, that's impressive on their side. So I think they'll stay up. I think they've bought enough quality. That being said, though, because they bought Chris Wood, it's like um, Burnley have decided to go from Super Saiyan Blue to Super Saiyan Ultra Instinct. <laughs> and they've gone from Chris Wood, six foot three, to Weghorst, six foot six. So listen. He's six six. He's six six. <laughs> so listen. Uh, <laughs> Yo, have you played Burnley twice this season? Pardon? <laughs> you know, we played Burnley twice already, thank God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yes, we have. So, that's, that's a great... Oh, no, no, we haven't. Are we not got next week or something? No, we've got him in that next two games. <laughs> no, man. Ah! Okay, well, then... Well, get ready for that, then. Six foot six. Him versus Maguire, and you already know who loses that battle. So, yeah. It should be fun. Um, but, no, it's, it's, um, it's a good season. It's a good uh, January transfer winner for Newcastle. So, I'm excited to see how they play from here, man. I mean, Tottenham, they, 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 it looks like from, from day one to day 30 that they were going to have an absolutely an absolute mare of a transfer window, bringing in absolutely nobody. But they pulled out the bag on the final day. A Rodrigo Bentaco from Juventus, 21.5 million. And Kulisevsky, I think, was it's not a mandatory option, but it's an option to buy yeah. for, I think, it's like 20-something million. So, not a bad two signings for them, Kojo. As, as, I think he's frozen. Dash. Yeah, I think he's frozen. I'll bring him back again. All right. Um, so I was a bit un, un excuse me, a bit unsure about their transfer window. Oh, he's back now. I'll bring him in. Um, because I don't have to explain it. It's like you've lost Deli Ali. You got rid of uh, La Salso and Ndombele, who are, I mean got the kill as well. Yeah, yeah Brian Hill's Real on loan, um, something that Una Emery apparently was trying very, very hard to get done as a permanent, but Spurs don't want to sell, which is fine. Um, I was thinking there's that leaves them very bare in midfield. So signing Ben Tanker is a good signing, don't get me wrong. I think Spurs fans will be looking at a lack of creativity, um, because they thought that came from Ndombele, even though he hardly ever did that. Um, but for what Conte wants to do, I think it works perfectly. Um, because at Inter Milan, he didn't have so much creative midfielders playing in the middle, unless at times when he played Ericsson, excuse me, in different in different games, in different situations. Um, I think I think they've had a good window with these two players. Um, at the same time, what takes away from them is the fact that they had two players that they should have signed and completely lost them. One of them being Adama Traore, which I think would have worked nicely for Conte. But look, Kulisevsky, I think, completes the front three. I think he wanted someone like Rousson and Kane to compete. Um, ben Tanker is a very, very combative midfielder. He's a very much a box-to-box. And I think what he will try and do is get Hoiberg to now be a bit more conservative and stop going up and down so much and let Ben Tanker do that. Because I think Ben Tanker is more, he's better, more comfortable in the football, um, taking the team forward, driving the ball forward. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think they've had a, I say good, I think they've had an okay January transfer window, but enough for them to compete for a top four spot. Um, 
So we'll, we'll see what they do. But they still need to improve that defense. That's still not improved, does it? So I mean, that's another, that's another discussion for another day. But Conte will be happy with these two because they're good players, very very good players. I mean, Usman, you're uh, you're the one that's that's saying that they're front runners for top four. Um, what do these two players do to to, to achieve, in terms of getting them to achieve that goal? Yeah, I think Kolesavski, um I mean, in ter- in terms of him as a signing, obviously it was needed that they brought in reinforcements. But as Cole just said. Um, you know, he completes the front three, etc. But for me personally, I don't think they need him as badly compared to other positions. Like they have got more, they have got Berger, and then obviously Son's injured, but he'll be back very sh- very soon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I don't think he was a necessity, although Spurs fans will probably disagree, because of course Berger will not be pulling, pulling his weight minus the last game or so. Um, and Lucas Moura has been very inconsistent, so potentially he could be a fantastic signing. But I think Bentacle, for me, is a very good signing for Tottenham. Um, the only issue is they haven't really replaced the, the lack of creativity in the team. Um, again, Bruno Gromez, he could he would have been a perfect signing for Spurs also. Someone that has got the capabilities again is fought on the ball. But I think Bentico, he he brings more he brings more to the to the middle of the park. Him and Hoyberg as a, as a midfield two is very good. You know, very solid. I'm expecting them to be more defensively defensively resolute. Um, and it's obviously up to the the wingbacks to go forward. But in terms of Top four, I still think Conte has just got it. In. I think I think top four is Spurs, to be honest. Um, for me personally, yes, the signings were needed, but I just think Conte is, uh, as a manager, he's just got the nows. He's got the tactical nows. Um, as I've just said, you know, the, the, the midfield is looking more solid with Bentico coming in. Um, and I think they'll be able to get over the line. I know they needed probably another centre-back as well, but I think with him and Hoyerberg in the middle of the park, with all the options that they have got within the team, will be uh, to probably do just enough to get over the line. I think we'll finish off now with West Ham. We've also brought in nobody. I mean, this whole uh, transfer window—it's I guess it's a saga—was uh, a, a dash mm. was about Jesse Lingard. That was the player that I'm pretty sure all the West Ham fans and I imagine some of the players wanted uh, to, be, to be to be done as well, but they just couldn't get it over the line. Manchester United may be a bit too stubborn. Jesse Lingard maybe not a bit a bit uh, too proactive. I mean, what, what, how do you rate their chances now? They were, they're playing very well, don't get it twisted, but in terms of quality um, players, that they, they, they needed to add this, this tra- the transfer, didn't they? Yeah, I think we all could see that they needed to add. I think more so in terms of the support for Antonio. Um, they're very heavily reliant on him. And then just more so to the fact that I think they they would have almost felt that it was a guarantee that they would have got Lamp- um, sorry, Lingard in um, this season, let alone maybe even this window. Um, but rightfully so, Man United thinking, well, listen, if you are rivaling for that top four, there's no point of us strengthening your team to to then obviously weaken our team. So it's just unfortunate. Maybe that's more for the summer um, that could happen. <clears throat> but ideally, I think um, what uh, Moyes was saying, obviously they had money to spend on players, but it's just, it's just difficult. It's difficult when you ain't really a household name. I know they're in Europe at the moment, but they're still not kind of a team that can guarantee you that type of um, level of football. Um, I would have thought maybe Moyes would have been a little bit more shrewd and get some names that you know, um, that we ain't heard of, or some some players that you know that will come and just grind it out. But yet again, I think they're in that limbo of trying to get the quality that's needed. 
in addition to maybe that sexy name as well, as we always uh, we always think to ourselves we'll be able to get in a window. They're going to be in and around it because I feel like they're still going to be able to battle for results and grind out results. Um, are they staples for the top four? I probably say that they're probably bottom of the the league that we're currently in at the moment. Um, but at the same time, the Premier League right now is just so unpredictable in terms of like your consistency. You just don't know, you know. Um, they're still a great team, still got a great manager in Moyes. And I'm sure that if anybody will be, be still be able to get a tune out of those players at the present moment, will be Moyes. But I reckon if they just got that striker that, you know, that could be switched between Antonio and a new striker, that would have been really good. Well, what did you guys make of those those bids? It was the last well, the transfer deadline day bids. I mean, it was 50 million for Rodrigo, 50 million for uh, Calvin Phillips. I think that's 60 million for this Nunez striker from uh was it Benfica as well? Was it was it just them blowing uh smoke? I think, or I think it's just, I think it's just yeah, just desperate, isn't it? Like I think a load of teams have been in that situation. Um, and I'm sure you lot will understand it's just like it's almost like that panic kind of buying, you know. Like we ain't got we ain't got this player, so we need to get this player like just to kind of satisfy and appease the fans. I think we've all gone through the, the, the similar situation. Kojo? Yes, um, I'm back now. All right, fantastic. My internet went off a little bit. Mm. Um, yeah, um, no, look, I think with West Ham, obviously I've called it bubble tea over blowing bubbles because they've had a shambolic transfer, in my opinion. Um, they needed a striker fumble that they needed another center back because they're losing um important center back to injuries now. Fumbled that as well. Um, and the fact that they've had to bring Mark Yarmolenko, not not trying to be disrespectful towards him, but they've obviously not wanted him at the club for a while now. And it's, a, it's been a point where they're just looking at him as an extra spare body, and that's why he's playing games now. So I don't think David Moyes is not the kind of manager that'll be dissatisfied. I think he'll look at the team and still say we can do a job. We're still in the Europa League. We're still performing well. We're still in the race for the top four or Europa League, wherever their ambitions are. I don't think he'll be dissatisfied, but if you're a West Ham fan, I mean, judging by how Jason Dan were feeling yesterday and Osman Talks United, um, they're fuming. The West Ham fans are fuming. And again, it just goes back to Gold, Sullivan and Brady. It goes back to those guys all the time because... I think David Moyes has done a lot more. I think he's done a lot more than we expected him to do with this team, considering how that ownership is. Um, we complain about our owners quite a lot. Those guys are also uh, very, they're, they're a group of very bad owners. They don't support the club enough uh, in the market. So, yeah, I think they, they do need major improvements. But look, West Ham are still in the race for a lot of position um, in, in the top four and they're still in the Europa League and they're having a good season. And even if they were to have a little bit of a drop off this year, it would it would be forgiven because it's just like you know you don't expect West Ham to be challenging alongside Man uh Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham, and I'll even say Leicester because Leicester did a lot in the in the summer transfer window and obviously have not performed to the level that people thought they were going to. So yeah, we'll see what they do, man. But um, yeah, I, I think the fans will be disappointed. But that's that's natural, isn't it? When your team doesn't sign anybody, the first thing you think to yourself is why not? <laughs> but you know, if if it works out better for them, then it's all good. I think more than anything as well, they're just worried about my last point being um are they showing enough ambition to keep Declan Rice? Because they know that boy is hot property, they know he's wanted. And if you're gonna keep Declan Rice at West Ham, the only way you stop him going to a team that's in the top four 
or supposed to be in the top four anyway, is by being in the top four yourself. And at some point, it comes to a point where you ever say, or he's going to say, I am loyal to this club and I'm going to stay until I decide to go. Or a team comes and just makes a proposal that's just too good to refuse. He's gone, man. He's yeah, gone. So we'll see. We'll see. I think Chelsea, anyway. That's where he's going to go next. But we'll see. Yeah, he's gone. Mm. He's gone. We will see indeed. But thank you guys for watching and thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm going to get you guys to tell us where you can find yourselves. So, Usman, we'll start with you. Where can they find you, sir? Yeah, firstly, thank you for having me on as always, boys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, make sure you show support to these guys, man. They're absolutely smashing it. Uh, regarding myself, my head's just floating. I'll just move my camera down. Uh, regarding myself, you can find me on Usman Talks United. Uh, live in about 45 minutes talking all the stuff my United. Obviously, KL and Koji are there every Monday as well. So, by all means, feel free to come through and show you boys some love. And Dash, where can they find you? Yeah, man, you can find me on the socials at Dash of Sports. Uh, that's where I give you all the hot topics and trending stories, football, all the sports, basically, I try and cover. Um, yeah, I've been doing some AFCON stuff as well. Me and Kojo, we, we, we chopped it up over... Uh, uh, Black uh, Stars Ghana, obviously. <laughs> that was a, it was a good show though, a good therapy session. So it was yeah, I loved it. I loved it. They embarrassed me, man. They embarrassed me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. So that's basically what I do, man. You can find me. I got a, the YouTube channel. You can find me on the Instagram, which I'm heavily on, um, and Twitter as well. So yeah, a dash of sports. Kojo, take it away, sir. Yes, Free Midfield Podcast on YouTube. Free Midfield on all the audios, that is your Spotify, your SoundCloud, or your Apple Podcast. And of course, Free Midfield on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch. Three in the field. This has been another episode of The Match Report. Good night. Good night.